this is Matthew Estevez from Raw Charge. You're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. going everybody welcome to the stanley cup final edition of the third line plug sensecast i am your host taylor gibson rejoining me for today's episode my co-host tim jancy tim how's it going man welcome back to the show yeah been a while like a really long while now that i think about it i know right it's been what at least a month since we've lost on an episode yeah well, you miss an episode when you're only doing them every week or two, sorry, every two weeks or so. And yeah, all of a sudden it's a month. I know it's, it's crazy, man. It is crazy, but you know what? I'm super excited to get back together to do today's episode because not only do we got a lot of stuff to cover, we also got to talk about the 2022 Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is going to be a great episode ahead of us, Tim. I can't wait to do this this evening now before we get into talking about the games and all that stuff that we're going to talk about this evening we got to get a little bit of an update about what you've been up to because i understand that you have become mr worldwide if i'm not mistaken going to the alberta of america oh yeah uh we went down to houston to play a card game tournament ended up losing but uh what matters is you had fun along the way so uh houston was pretty neat went to a water burger didn't didn't go to a Bucky's. I was just going to ask you about this because when, when you told me you were down in Houston, my first thought was, please tell me you went to a Bucky's. Why would I go to a Bucky's if I'm not leaving the city? Because they're all out of town, right? Oh, are they? At least in Houston, yeah. Okay. Well, I know I, I didn't even know that. I think we should let the listeners know what exactly we're talking about. So, a Bucky's, for those who don't know, in the southern United States, Bucky's is a gas station, but it's like a Costco-sized gas station. It's insane. It's essentially like here in Canada, you go to a Costco and you have like the, the little gas station that's attached to them. Think of that, but not named Costco. That's a separate brand. Yeah, and it's just kind of like looking at the photos and it's like, but why? <laughs> but yeah, they're all along interstates, right? Still, though, I, I still would have gone to see one ju- just to say that I did. Right. Because honestly, when you see some of the photos and well, I guess in this case, TikTok, because that's how I saw it was I looked at it and I was like, OK, totally makes sense. This would be in Texas for sure. You know, everything's bigger there. But for me, I would just like I would just go in there for 15, 20 minutes, not even buy anything, just look around. Well, it's like we had a car, but it was like we'd have to like go out of our way to go there and then back it is just kind kind of interesting but uh we did drive quite a bit around the city so it's so like we ended up going we were staying in the north end because the tournament was at the air 
at the Sheraton near the airport. But uh, we ended up playing in a local tournament that was on the south end of the city the day before. Went to a barbecue place that had the line out the door. You know what's funny, Tim, is that I always live by this motto my dad has talking about restaurants. He says, always go to the places. If you see a long lineup and no parking, always go there. The food's amazing. Well, I mean, it's a restaurant in Houston, so lots of parking. <laughs> That's just how the city works. But yeah, long, long line. Very good restaurant. Uh, I forget what it's called now. But uh, no, so fun time had by all. That's awesome. Now, I did get a chance to see the photo that you posted at the airport. The only comment I've got, your lack of orange foam cowboy hat and air horn displeases me. I can only fit so much stuff in my carry-on, right? I didn't think that statue in the Houston airport was real. So I saw, I saw it in a, like an anime that had characters going through the Houston airport years ago. And I thought it was just like a Japanese shit post. No, the cow holding the Texan flag on the moon statue is real. That's a real thing. Yeah, that statue is real. Yeah, honestly, I mean, that would be kind of neat to see. I think for me, if I ever went to like Pittsburgh, I would, because I was always told that if you go through the Pittsburgh airport, you see two statues there. One, I believe, is George Washington, and the other is Franco Harris, who's the running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the- <laughs> that's very funny it is really funny man it is really funny now i'll give a little bit of an update about what i've been up to because i know since the last time we've spoken quite a bit has happened one of the big things and i gotta give well first i want to give a quick shout out to sean our good friend on twitter who replaced you on last our last episode he was great the episode turned out fantastic i was super happy now one of the big things for not so much for myself but for my sister's boyfriend now, he applied for a job at Tesla to be an engineer right out of school. He got it. Nice. He got the job at Tesla. So he'll be moving down. Him and my sister will be moving down to San... Wherever the fucking plant is in California. It's in between San Jose and San Francisco. Oh, San... Would it be San Bernardino? San Jose. Oh, so it's going to be like... Not San Bernardino. It's uh, one of those ones. That's yeah. just in the Silicon Valley there. Yeah, so that's super exciting, man. Like they're gonna be, he's gonna be moving down there in August. Hopefully, my sister will be joining him. But it's funny when she when actually when I got told about this, all I heard was go sharks. Go sharks. God damn. <laughs> because I think, and you can you probably know this better than I would, Tim, is that I think Tesla has like two plants. They have one in California, the other is in Austin. Yeah. And I think my sister originally wanted to go to Austin because the cost of living is way cheaper in Austin, Texas. Oh, That's yeah. how we actually found out about the Buckies. Well, she <laughs> found that on TikTok and she sent that over to my mom who sends it to me. And I was like, ah, nice. That's funny. But yeah, like uh, you do get paid more if you're going to be working out of the Silicon Valley because, well, you got to be able to afford to live. But yeah, no, it's a shame because Austin's a great city. I had a chance to go. Uh, so one of my friends from uh, the Texas area is like, yeah, no, Austin's the best. I'm like, okay, I'll believe you. Because <laughs> yeah, Austin is more for young young people, isn't it? Because it has like Austin city limits and all that. Well, that you've got universe, uh, flagship for University of Texas. You've got, it is a government town too, because uh, it's state capital. 
a lot of interesting stuff happening in Austin. You know, I wonder how many people, if you think of Texas, I wonder how many people would actually have said that Austin was the capital. I think a lot of people, like Americans definitely know that. No, I know that. They have the capitals drilled into them as kids. Yeah, but how many people would think that? Like in Canada? Yeah, kind of like, how many people would hear Dallas or Texas and think, oh yeah, the capital is Dallas. Because Dallas is like the big city. That's where like the Cowboys play out of. That's where everything seemed to be out of. But Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't say. I think most, like a good amount of Canadians are pretty good at least being aware of the major American capitals. Like I think most people you ask wouldn't say that New York is the capital of New York State, right? Because we all know that's an Albany expression. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I come from Utica and I've never heard that expression. No, Uh definitely not Utica. (laughs) Okay, so side note, given that we just mentioned The Simpsons, so... Katrina and I were watching some of the episodes from season 31 last week. Oh, like the new, new stuff? Like the new, new episodes. And I was condolences. I was thinking, oh God, how bad is this going to be? And a few of the episodes were actually not bad. I was surprised. I mean, it's not classic Simpsons, but you watch it, you take it for what it is. And it's like, this is very, very enjoyable. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It was like this one episode that we were watching. And basically the plot of the episode is that classic sort of Simpsons where Lisa's got to go to a field trip and Marge is trying to get home. Marge like told Homer, you have to go. But Homer is going to a Bob Seger concert instead. (laughs) Marge has to go as usual. And then she meets up with Sarah Wiggum who's super quiet and all the other parents are like, oh yeah, she's awkward, whatever. And then you yeah. find out that she's actually a, like a thief. Wait, what? Yeah. She's actually like a, not like Charlie's Angels. If for, for those who watch like Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, it's kind of like the, um, the female group in that movie where. Like a shadow thief? Yeah, a shadow thief. Trying to steal like the ju- diamonds and jewels and shit like that. Oh, that's neat. It is actually kind of a neat idea because you basically have a character in Marge who's a primary character. You have Sarah who's what has a handful of appearances throughout the series and you make a very interesting story around it. Yeah. Well, it's also a character that's just not used. So eh, good way to just do something a little different, I guess. For sure. And I think that's one of the nice things about The Simpsons nowadays is that, you know, what you have such a large cast of characters that basically you can make really fun stories out of it without having to rehash old stories, old storylines you've had. And I think that's kind of the problem I find the newer Simpsons has is that they try to do so many callbacks. They try to do so many things. They try to be a cheap imitation of Family Guy. But also a cheap imitation of themselves. Yeah. Honestly, you know, it's interesting how a lot of those like animated shows like Family Guy and The Simpsons and all that shit, they all basically became like cheap imitations of each other. Yeah. Whereas you have a show like King of the Hill when it was on, who was like not a cheap imitation of anything. It just sort of did its own thing for 13 seasons. It didn't hit all the time, but it hit more often than it didn't. Are we just a King of the Hill simp show? Yeah. Okay. At least we own it. Yep. 
Now, moving away from talking about animated shows, Tim, we got to talk about some Ottawa Senators news because, you know, since Hell last yeah. time you and I recorded, some big news has dropped. Now, of course, I know everybody has wanted us to talk about the big story, the big signing that everybody has been talking about. The Ottawa Senators have re-signed Dylan Gambrell to a one-year contract. Big if true. You knew it was coming. Is what it is, really. I mean, for me, it's just like, oh, okay. Just, I'm sure he's had moments, but for me, it's just like, um, I don't remember him. I remember him being a player on this team. Like, he's one of those defensive forwards who is good in his own end, but is just like an offensive black hole. Very, pretty good on the penalty kill though so it's but it's just like he doesn't push the needle offensively in any way whatsoever no he's just a long line of guys in the past that we've had in the last couple of years where you're just like okay yeah he's um, no eric condra i'm gonna put it that way oh no at best he's a above average tom Pyatt. yeah because at least eric condra he played defense he could put the puck he could get the puck into the ozone. He just couldn't. Shoot. He just couldn't score to save his life. He was kind of like Alex Formanton on a breakaway. You're just like, yeah, he's not going to score. Hey, Forms is getting better. He is getting better. He is getting better. Actually, the one funny thing I noticed on Instagram, Tim, is that you know you you know you see a lot of these ex guys that play for the Senators, like Ilya Zuboff and Cody Gulabuff and all that shit. And you're like, these guys are still playing. And they're all playing over in Europe right now. I forgot about Ilya Zubov. Dude, he You're looked like me Google that name. Dude, he looked like it. I remember him. He was going back to what we were saying about their cover athletes. When you know, you talk about guys you remember from the EA sports games, but not as a player. That was Ilya Zubov. He looked like he was 40 years old when he was like 21. Looking at his player photo from Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, but like he actually had a respectable KHL career, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of guys. I know David Runblad just signed in Germany, I think. And I was just like, oh my God, I have not thought of that guy in so long. Yo, remember what we traded for him and then traded him for Taurus? Huh? Remember when people thought that trading him for Taurus was going to be a bad idea? Honestly, fair. I was the lone guy that honestly thought that was a good trade back in the day. Yeah. Well, it's like Runeblad looked very promising in his first season with the Senators. And then just he got Phoenixed. Yeah, which is worse than being sensed. Part of me wonders if that's just his career. He was at the branching path and Ottawa just like smited him. Salt of the earth, man. Yeah. Well, more like he was on could have been a good player and then he got phoenixed like that's what i'm thinking for sure for sure man one of the things that actually happened today tim and i actually know a lot of people actually do want us to talk about that the 2022 hockey hall of fame class has been announced now of course the announcement came at three o'clock p.m eastern time noon my time one o'clock your time so we're gonna through some of the people that got inducted and we're gonna start off in the builder category tim we're gonna start off with herb carnegie now 
a lot of people who are hockey fans will know the name Willie O'Ree. Everybody yeah. knows he's the first person of color to play in the NHL in the, I believe, the 1950s with the Boston Bruins, has a number of time for the Bruins, all that good stuff. Herb Carnegie predates him. Oh. So basically why he got inducted is because, and I remember seeing this back in the day on Hockey People's History, the miniseries that CBC did back in 2006. Great if you can find it. It's on YouTube. They actually should do an update on that show. But talking about Herb Carnegie, one of the things that I remember seeing about him in this is how he was the first person of color to be invited to an NHL training camp. Oh, neat. He didn't end up playing a game in the NHL. He maybe played, I think he played a preseason game or two. And then he rejected, the Rangers gave him like such a low ball offer. And he rejected it and he never saw the NHL again. Well, that's sad. Yeah, he he went to the minor leagues in Quebec, the Quebec Aces, became a legend there, became a business owner. But he, of course, he was teammates with a young Jean Beliveau. Oh, neat. In Quebec. And that was really cool. And even Jean Beliveau was talking about him in that documentary about how Herbie was such a class act and he took him under his wing. It was such a cool thing to hear, right? So, but immediately when I read this, my first thought was if you remember back on top of the air, I mentioned a gentleman by the name of Larry Wong. And Larry yeah. Wong was the first person of Asian descent to play in the NHL. I mentioned Herb Carnegie in that story because I said, you know, he was the first person of color to be offered a training camp. What, not Taro Sujimoto? No. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Tim. Well, actually, no, who am I kidding? This person's not Japanese. But. Oh, Taro's not real. Taro isn't not real. But you know what, though? He's real in our hearts. It's okay. I saw that look. <laughs> See, this is why we should just be a video podcast one day, Tim, because, you know, what? some of our facial expressions are just great. <laughs> now, the first female being inducted into the class for 2022 is Rika Selian. Now, I 100% know I probably didn't mention this name correctly, but you'd want to talk about somebody who had a fantastic career in, I believe, a women, in a women's league. 201 goals, 194 assists for 395 points. Now, I'm not exactly sure. Oh, it says here, Finnish women's hockey legend. So that's cool. And I think that's, I think it's one of the first European players that have been inducted. I think it's the first non-North American female player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it's like, I get it because the women's tournament has been so long dominated by the North American teams that women's hockey in Europe is an afterthought. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But you know what? That's really cool. And I'll have to look up some of her stuff later on. Now we're going to move along and talk about the NHLers that got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now we're not going to talk about one player. We're going to talk about two. Oh, Daniel Henrik Sedin. Despite not winning a Stanley Cup, I I think the Sedin, like the entire Sedin career is so storied and you can tell so many stories about those guys that we would be remiss not to include them. We have Calders, we have Hearts, we have a heartbreaking game seven. We have the trade to get them onto the same team. Well, they didn't win a Calder though. Sorry, they, I thought they won a Calder. Nope. No, they didn't win Rookie of the Years. They won uh, the Art Ross. Right. Art Ross. won the Hart Trophy. Yeah. 
which I have to believe both of them. I, Henrik and Ode, I think both Henrik and Daniel won both back-to-back years. That's a really cool story that will never be replicated. Yeah. So it's like the fact that those two guys have so many very cool stories associated with them, even though they lost in that heartbreaking game seven. I think they it's the right call. It is the right call. And I know that there were some people who were talking about Daniel Huntington and they were trying to discredit them as like, well, they don't have a Stanley Cup. Their numbers aren't super, super great. But I think for myself, I think of when the NHL came out of the lockout 2005 and excluding like the Alex Ovechkins and Sidney Crosby's, the rookies that came into the NHL, Daniel and Henrik Sedin were the first superstars that emerged in the salary post lockout NHL when the game opened up. Right. I know Henrik Sedin to this point had not fully broken. They had, they were in the NHL. They were kind of teetering on, okay, are they going to be, they, you knew they were going to be good. Right. But their game just didn't suit the rough and tumble hockey of the early 2000s. Would you say that Jason Spezza had broken out before the lockout then? No, no. Spez. Cause I'd say Spets and Heatley broke out that same, that 05 no, 06 well, season as well. No, yeah. I, Heatley, Heatley broke out prior to that. Spez hadn't, Spez really hadn't become a full-time NHLer by this time. Yeah. Or if he had, he really hadn't gotten much opportunity to be a legit number one centerman in the NHL. So yeah, I would say Spez, but definitely Daniel Henrikstein. Hmm. Or one of the first guys that broke out big time. Now, sticking with their Canucks teammates, Tim, also joining them is goaltender Roberto Luongo. I'm not going to lie. This is a pretty good pick. 489 wins, a 0.919 save percentage, 252 goals against. Yeah, I would, I would go with this. Well, it's like, I think staying on the Canucks wagon... But even at the same time, it's hard to think of a more, like Roberto Luongo, despite not having the individual hardware, had a very long career as a goaltender spanning almost 20 seasons, played a thousand games and maintained, yeah, 0.92 save percentage over the whole period, which yeah. is one of the best goal performances by a goaltender in the era. Well, you know, what's funny to him is that when you, look back on some of his numbers he put up in the early years in Florida, those Panther teams were garbage. Oh yeah. He dragged that team kicking and screaming. And then when he goes to Vancouver in 2006 and you see the numbers he put up in that first year where all of a sudden Canucks fans were like, holy shit, we actually got ourselves a superstar goalie. Like, cause they had not had that since Kurt McLean. Well, let's read a stat line from uh, his last two years in Florida, shall we? Okay. Seb- games played, 72. 25 wins, 33 losses, 14 ties, 0.913 save percentage. After the lockout, 75 games played, 35 wins, 30 losses, nine, nine overtime losses. like that's obscene yep and he hops over to vancouver plays another 76 game season with a 0.921 
Yeah. Like, what the fuck is that? He had what 47 wins? Yeah. And I think only Marty Bruder, I think, had more. I think he had what 49 or something? 50 wins? Yeah. But the well, problem. Like- these you numbers know, are ridiculous. Well, I was going to say, Tim, I think the reason why Roberto Luongo doesn't have the hardware, not because he wasn't a great goalie, but you look at the goalies that were in the NHL at that time when Martin Brodeur was just dominating everything because he went from being a guy who you looked at his numbers, and you're like, why is this guy not winning anything? To all of a sudden, you know, the Patrick Waz retires, the Tommy Hasek retires. Well, came back. That's not the point. Yeah. But you see, all like these legends retire, and then Brodeur starts winning everything. It's kind of like with Nick Lundstrom when guys like Paul Coffey and all these guys, Ray Bork, started retiring, and Nick Lundstrom started winning every Norris Trophy. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that R- Roberto Luongo got robbed for Vesnia that year. It's a fair take. Oh six, oh seven. It should have gone to Luongo instead of Brodeur. Oh, but then Bro- Luongo also has an Olympic gold medal while Broder got pulled from that tournament. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. Roberto Luongo 100% deserves to be there. And I don't think that... Did, I don't think Roberto won in the World Juniors, did he? Uh, let's see. Other World Junior Championship. He played three games. Oh, okay. This is why Martin. This, okay, so Martin Broder won forty-eight games. Oh, he played seventy-eight games in uh, 06 or seven. So that's why he won the Norris, or not Norris, the um, Vesna. But then Luongo had a better win rate because he won one less game and two less games played. Yeah, no, Luongo robbed. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And now, also, how many freaking uh, Broder got chased by the Senators? Fair. That, that is actually quite fair, Tim. Yeah. So now we come to the final person, Tim, in the 2022 Hockey Hall of Fame class. And you know what, Tim? I have been waiting a long time to say this. Daniel Alfredson is a Hockey Hall of Famer. The news breaking today, you gotta realize the last five years yeah. we have had to watch as Alfredson got passed over by guys. Now the first three years, you can understand it because you look at the guys that went and you're looking, okay, you can justify why Alfredson didn't go in. When you looked at some of the names that went in before him, it was in 2020 is when you began to see why is Alfredson not going in? Especially with guys like Kevin Lowe. Like Geek Carbono. okay, you can argue that Habs team was really good. Kevin Lowe, God fucking damn it, no. I said this when we talked about the 2021 Hockey Hall of Fame class, Tim. Kevin Lowe is the least deserving of the 1980s Oilers teams to go in the Hall of Fame. If anybody should have gone in that is not in there, I could have argued with Andy Moog because Wayne Gretzky even said he thought he was a better goalie than Grant Fear. You look at 2020 when Guy Carbino went in. And like you said, you can argue this. You can say, okay, I guess. But when Doug Wilson got in as a player, now if Doug Wilson went in as a builder, 
100%, you could justify him going in. Because you think of those Sharks teams, when he had the balls to go out and say, you know what, this Marco Sturm and Wayne Primo, fuck it, we'll trade them for Joe Thornton. Or and that we'll- bunch of other shit like that. Like the, I'm going to take this prime David Setaguchi guy, fuck him, Brent Burns. Yep, or I'm going to be like, I'm going to take this injury-prone Milan McCulloch and this rapidly declining J- Jonathan Chichu for Danny fucking Healy. But then also Danny Heatley's out the door three years later. But they got three damn good years out of Danny Heatley. It is true. But I think that was the first year that the fans were frustrated. The fans in 2021 were outraged What Kevin Logan and Imagine if Alfie got snubbed in 2022. You would have had the fans being so beside themselves as to why. Well, there would have been no good reason at that point because we're talking about a guy who the only thing he's missing is the Stanley Cup. He's one of the longest, if not the longest serving NHL captain of all time. Has an Olympic gold medal, has a thousand points in a thousand games. Actually is almost a point of game player over 11, over 1,200 games. And he's a six-round pick. Six-round pick who won a Calder all-rookie team, all-star team, Clancy Messier. Yeah. Now, one of the now some of the stuff we hadn't talked sense-wise over the last couple of weeks, because you and I haven't been together, a lot of this is oh. stemming from the Alfie yeah. campaign. The Alfie to the Hall campaign was great because how it all started, excuse me, it was just two fans from Toronto. They always heard about how, oh, Alfredson will never get in and this, that, next thing for Leafs fans. And they says, okay, we should do something about this. And then, of course, they got Craig Medaglia, former third line plug interview guest on, got involved. Cyril Leader was plugging it. Bruce Firestone was plugging it. Everybody was plugging it. And then the Ottawa Senators plugged it. And I think this is something we have not even remotely touched. Have you realized how far of a PR 180 the Ottawa Senators have done in the last three months? Well, let's talk about it because like getting involved with the Alfie for the Hall thing was something that the old team just would not have done. Yep. But this team just like, you know what? No, we're going to, we're going to fight for one of our guys. Yeah. And it really goes to show, and I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but it really goes to show how much Eugene held this team back. Yeah. Because I often wonder if Eugene was still alive today, would Alfie go in the Hall of Fame? And if it turns out that it was the former old owner holding up Alfred to getting into the Hall of Fame over a grudge, Fuck that. That's super petty. You know, it, it really is petty. But, you know, you look at some of the init- initiatives at the Ottawa Centers, like the supporting Pride Month. The Ottawa Centers have never supported the Pride Month. The whole thing was since Twitter and Gulk. You mean happy belated birthday Gulk? Yep. Good beams. I wonder who's running the, the social media account. You think it's the Melnick Daughters? I think uh, that's an overwhelming, I think, consensus right now is that it's them. It's either them or they let 
they took the chains off the person who was re- running it at the time of m- that the ownership changed over. Yeah. So basically, I like to think that we live in a world where ownership of the Ottawa Senators likes memes. That likes to shit post with us. I know. It's almost like we had Craig Medaglia back. Yeah. But also, man, do you want to talk about gulk posting? Gulk posting. It was a thing that happened. And I think if other fan bases had seen this, they would be like, huh? Gulk. So, like, I remember trying to explain it to people, and there was, like, two different reactions. Either, fuck it, I want to go to the Gulk barn, or, what the fuck? Why? Don't you have something better to talk about? No. No. Because, yeah, unlike, unlike other teams, we've been on off-season for two months instead of seven weeks, Toronto. <laughs> That's right. You know, you think about it, even like since Twitter, and we've always talked about them and what a cesspool it could really be. But you see some of the fun things that those people do, the gulk posting. I did get a chuckle, even as somebody who's a straight male, the the bisexuals for Shabbat. I was just like, Jesus Christ, you guys. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Like, uh, you know, even last night when the Avalanche won the cup and you saw Nathan McKinnon and was it Eric Johnson just laying together on the ice? My first thought was if this was the Senators, you would have a hashtag fucking bisexuals for Shabbat. Bisexuals for Shabbat, Jesus Christ. But uh, no, so it's like, I just love the absurd creativity that came out of just Gulk posting. Like the team wishing Gulk a happy birthday. Craig, Craig making a Gulk's changing weight rendered to Gulk's dad. For the Alfie to the hall. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God, I love that. Did you appreciate Gulk for 60? Lately, just slaps. Oh, yeah. No, it's a fan base that has fun. And there's not enough of those. Yeah, because I remember I saw a post one time. Somebody's talking about Leafs fans. And they go, man, being Leafs fans must be exhausting. They're a top five team in NHL and they're mad about everything. Yeah. And then there's us who's like, you know, in the bottom of the division and we're just like, let's have fun. Ha ha. That coach, that team lost to the Ottawa Senators. So their coach got fired. Ha ha. Said sickos. Yo, can we put all of our, can we just put pictures of the sicko guy as our fake fans in the arena? Yeah. Oh, the coach is it on it? All right. Yeah. Or we uh, help other teams miss the playoffs. Adam Gaudet in Vancouver. Oh, that was so... Adam Gaudet's revenge. Being in the building that night was so funny because there was a guy behind us who was saying when Gaudet was in the shootout, they're like, Adam Gaudet's probably going to score. Oh, shit, he did. Oh, well. Well, there's always next year. And that's what sunk the Canucks playoff hopes. And I just started laughing. Had him got it. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Well, even like the safety first stuff was funny though. Or just like every so often when Ian puts out a quiz and people are like, dude, what the fuck? I know, right? Actually, you know, can we give Ian Mendes a shout out? Because I know that he's been dealing with some health issues recently. Oh yeah, kidney stone. Yeah, that 
that shit's fucked. Hope he gets better soon. Same. No, since Twitter has been a lot of fun lately, and just getting Alfie in the hall, that was the cherry on top. Yeah, I think the only thing left is going to be, well, let's see what happens at the draft next week, right? Yeah. Watches like Pierre Doran walks up to the table and just be like, we've got a trade to announce. Fuck it, we're going after everybody. <laughs> oh, something like we got a trade to announce. Not for me, though. <laughs> Not for this pick, though. <laughs> I know. What if it was just Gary Bettman walking up to the podium? He says, we got a trade to announce. NHL fans get the right to boo me. Damn. I know, but we'll definitely talk about Gary Bettman not being a game six because it, it was sad. I was surprised. It was a, it's a tradition that I really love looking forward to. Is oh, booing Gary Bettman. Yeah, Bettman getting booed. And he loves it. That's the thing. Even at the draft in uh, Vancouver. He's like, he's like, oh no, no, you might not want to boo me for this. And Daniel Henrik walked out. Yeah, you might not want to boo me. It's like he knows who he is. He, I think that's part of why the booing tradition continues is because because the guy plays into it too, right? Totally, totally. And it's funny relating to Alfredson because I said to my brother today, I says, you know, it's going to be so weird for Alfredson at the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremonies when he goes in front of a group of people in Toronto and doesn't get booed. <laughs> I wonder how much those, I wonder how many thousands of dollars a ticket to that gala is. I think it's about 500 bucks. Okay. Not too bad then. No, it's not too bad at all. I think the better question is who do you think is going to do Alfredson's speech or not the speech, but the introduction. Is it usually an active player or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I know for the uh, the football Hall of Fame, it's usually like a t- former player or former coach or somebody's wife or whatever, right? Had Brian Murray been alive, it would have been Brian Murray, hands down. Now, oh, that's a tough one. I could see Spez. Yeah. Maybe Carlson. Ooh, Eric could be good. Eric what if could be good. Up? What if he pulls a fast one and it's Matt Sundin? What if it's Matt? What if it's Darcy Tucker? Oh my God. Can you <laughs> imagine if it's Tucker? And Alfredson just walks behind him and goes, No, I'm not going to do that twice. <laughs> no, but it's like there's a lot of good, very good people that it could be. Yeah, could be Jacques Martin. Could be Jacques Martin. Uh, I don't think it would be Bonk. What if it's Heater and Spez? Oh, that'd be neat. Just the cash line again. The cash line reunites. That would be lit. Well, I mean, Spez has a job in Toronto right now, so. There you go. And Cal Dubas is a noted Senseco, so. Yeah, I, I bet he'd let him do it. percent <laughs> 100%. Now, sticking on the topic of it slaps being a Senators fan lately, Tim. You know, since we started doing this podcast in 2017, we have seen this franchise go through many changes. We see many players leave. One big story that we've saw develop and fall through is LeBreton Flats. So fun story. Uh, so one of the things that I was doing, 
uh, between episodes of Third Line Plugs was I was at an economics conference. Okay. So uh, I presented some of my research at the Canadian Economics Association. And one of the days before the conference, uh, a colleague of mine from Vancouver and I grabbed breakfast. And uh, then I showed him how to get to Carleton from downtown via transit. And of course, that take you switch trains at Bayview Station, which is at La Breton Flats. Now, I got to ask, where do you go for breakfast? The Scone Witch. Nice. Did you go to so Burgers and Fries Forever? Pardon? Did you go to Burgers and Fries Forever? I actually, I was, the whole time I was in Ottawa South. Oh, okay. So I just didn't get a chance. Fair. I did end up going to the Senate, though. Nice. How was that? Uh, it's it's a great sports bar. Right on, man. Right yeah, on. I took a bunch of my, the, my colleagues from Vancouver and uh, area there for uh, dinner in the market. So I did get one day in the market, but I was like, oh, I can't take a bunch of people who want to get drinks to a burger joint. Oh, I was going to say, did you go to El Camino's? Uh, no, but El- I do like El Camino. But anyway, so we're by Le Breton Flats so and we get off at this station. And of course you get out of the station and you just look out and it's a, it's an empty field in two directions. Sorry, three of four directions. And he's just like, why is this like this? So that I, I got to explain Le Breton Flats to a German man who lives in Vancouver. How did that go over? He was like, why? Why is it like this? Why? <laughs> and it's like, well, you see, it's very difficult to develop this land because of all the different interests. And then they tried to do it once. <laughs> and then that, that didn't work out. Yeah. And then, of course, the news broke that the Ottawa Senators are the preferred bid right now. The Ottawa Senators, I think this this group should be more stable as you have an experienced development group, several parties taking care of different different sections of the development. And uh, it looks like they're going they're going with the kind of idea that they wanted to do in Calgary and they did in Edmonton with uh, the ice district where you build a bunch of multifamily, a bunch of multi mixed use and the stadium. Right. And it's right on a transit hub. So is it kind of like what they did with uh, Lansdowne when they read? Yeah. So it looks like the plan is going to be like Lansdowne. They're going to build a bunch of multifamily housing. So there's going to be multi-use space around. I think there's going to be a park. It's going to end a museum and it, from the early renderings, despite some of the weird glitches people were noticing in the early rendered pictures, it, I like the concept of the building. The have, Did you notice some of the pictures of the Photoshop people in with like the weird American flags? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I think for me, one of the big things that came out of this is I think it's awesome that after all the years, we're finally going to see that downtown arena the fans have always wanted the thing for me when it comes to naming rights, because I think Canadian tire has announced that golf bar, golf bar. There you go. Well, you know, what's funny. And I want to talk about the naming rights because there's so many options of what do you call it? It's going to be Rogers again. Let's be no. <laughs> How many? So we have multiple Rogers arenas in Canada now. Nope. Uh, Rogers arena, Rogers center. Rogers Place. That's three. That's three out of seven. No, uh, Rogers Center is uh, for the Blue Jays play. 
Right. Yeah, Rogers Place and Rogers Arena. I think for me, I mean, do they go locally though? Do they go by a local community? But do they go locally or do they go nationally? Well, it's funny because like you could go local and still have a very big name. So you could have Shopify and that's local. You could have Mill Street. Beaver Tails. Beaver Tails. Beaver Tail Beaver Tail Center. I, I would do well you like even Canadian Tire Place isn't too bad. If the NCC doesn't want to sell the rights, you could just call it like you could call it the arena at Le Breton or like Le Breton Arena or something like that. Le Breton Center. Or Confederation Park or something. Sorry, Confederation Center or something like that. Interesting. Not a bad idea. I don't know. Well, you can't call it Confederation Park because we already have one of those in Ottawa, but yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good options that you can go. <laughs> I like how people there was someone's like, you have to call it the Shwarma Center. Shwarma place. Shwarma place. People are just like, sorry, the Shwarma Palace. Yes. <laughs> and people are like, okay, get rid of all these meme answers. This is the only real one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And you know what? You watch. It probably is going to be Rogers. I would actually be very unhappy. It's like, uh... ah, like, come on. I'd rather the federal government waste my tax money on a name at that point. Oh, I don't think that's somewhere we need to go with him. But I'll tell you, <laughs> what if it's like TELUS or somebody? It's different. You don't even get TELUS in Ottawa. No? They're branded as Bell. Oh, I did not know that, Tim. Yeah, because Bell TELUS, if I remember correctly, Bell TELUS are the same company. Or they share the network. Yeah. The one name that I did notice, what about uh, Firestone Arena? Because it, oh, it would honor Bruce Firestone and also the Firestone Tire Company. Yeah. But it's also too it's too close to uh the arena down in Nashville. Right. Bridgestone. Yeah. Bridgestone. I mean it's better than what their original name was. Did anybody ever look at the original name of the Nashville Arena and be like Taylor? You know they're newspaper moguls, right? There's actually a bunch of hotels in the US. Like Gaylord Hotels is a big chain down there. I know, but people who have zero understanding of that would look at it and be like, uh, Yes, as a 13 year old, I thought the Gaylord Entertainment Center was hilarious. But no, like it's a guy's name. I know, it's like Gaylord Perry, the, the pitcher. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would be really interesting to see what the naming rights would be for. Button fat, so yeah, or even like sense plate, sense place at Le Breton Flats. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Fuck it, let's just rename it the Palladium. <laughs> actually, I actually like the name Palladium, it is a neat one, yeah. How much is a hotel room at the Gaylord? I don't know, Tim. So 
Yeah. Oh, it's just a Marriott property now. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's lame. No. Actually, no, Marriott hotels are good. Okay. Uh, $600 a night. American? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up our Sens news, which you mean only one thing. So we're talking about some games. Now we've got not one game, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six games for the 2022 Stanley Cup Finals between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Nice. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. So, Tim, we have reached the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, before we hit into game one of this series, I think we need to talk about both these teams. And we're going to start off with the number one seeded Colorado Avalanche. Because you know what, Tim? If you would have told me in 2017 when the Colorado Avalanche lost a collective 60 games between the regular regular play and overtime that five years later they're gonna make the Stanley Cup finals and win it all I probably would say you're joking yeah because that just seems like a really quick turnaround for a rebuild it does it, it really does I mean when you look at that 16-17 team where you're just like because it had some good pieces there. It had like Nathan, the young Nathan McKinnon was there. You had Landeskog was there. Matthew Shane in his final full season there. You had a few guys there that were like, okay, pretty good players, but this team sucks. Yeah. And of course, you just came off the power struggle of Patrick Wall leaving and Joe Sackick looked like maybe he was going to get fired too at GM. You just look at that team and you're like, what the hell happened here? Like you have absolutely run this team into the ground. We had not seen a team that hit rock bottom that hard until the Sens came along the next year. Yeah. Except and then we, they really hit rock bottom. Yeah. But you know, to see how far the Colorado avalanche have come in five years is absolutely amazing. It really is. Yeah. You look at some of the moves they made especially last year when they lost Philip Grubauer to Seattle. What do they do? Okay, well, Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francusa are now our goalies. We all, we go out and we acquire Devin Taves for a couple second rounds. That was a fucking fleece job. Holy yep. shit. They go out of their way and land Nazem Kadri. You had Vladimir Nashuskin that went from being an absolute black hole in Dallas to being clutched in the playoffs. You had the full emergence of Kale McCarr. You had the Ottawa Senators gift wrapping them Bowen Byram. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like had the send. Here's a funny question. If the Senators hadn't collapsed, is Colorado as scary as they are today? Like, here's the thing. Even if they didn't collapse all the way down to fourth. And they just said, you know what? Say the Senators finished 12th. And we just have to fork over that pick because it was only top 10 protected, if I remember correctly. Yep. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I think honestly, and you know, you're probably right about that, Tim, because you know, Bo and Byram look really good for the Avalanche, but the emergence of Kale McCarr, especially in that 2017 draft when the Avalanche lost and people were losing their minds thinking the Avalanche lost 60 combined games and they dropped to fourth. But it's not, it's better than drafting Nolan Patrick. Let's be real. Yeah. I think that's unfortunate, Nolan Patrick. But the thing is, yeah. to realize Kale McCarr was somebody that, if you listen to Nathan McKinnon talk about him recently, when they got drafted, there was guys in the Avalanche locker room going, Why did we just draft this guy? He came out of what the Alberta Junior League? Yeah, same uh, league as uh, our boy, Jacob Bernard Docker. Yeah. With a fourth overall pick to see how far he has emerged into, I would say the most electrifying defenseman we have seen since primary Carlson. No. Yeah. Question. Between him and Miro, Miro Heiskin in two, eh? Yep. Like but, out of that group, like, but Kale McCarr has just kicked it to another level. Holy shit. Yeah. And then you look at the last year or two when the avalanche had to go through adversity in the playoffs and it's the same thing with the Tampa Bay lightning you know and i think we should talk about the number five seed of Tampa Bay lightning because you think about this the fact that they've made it to three straight finals and no yeah no one's done that in this the stanley sorry the salary cup era and i think the last team to do that was the 1980s era Islanders. Yeah. And there was a legit argument. If the Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup a third straight year, are they, they, are they the best dynasty of them all? Because it's a very different, it was a different game in the 80s and the 90s where you had two or three elite teams and everybody else. This is what happens. This is like pre-salary cap. This is, you know, pre-everything that we know of the NHL since 2005. Well, it's also the Islanders are, they happened before the professionalization of the NHL. Like the quality of the game is just head and shoulders higher. Like I think the fact that even the fact that they got within spitting distance of three cups in a row will probably take a very long time to replicate. Mm -hmm. Especially in this hard cap where you really think that one bad signing or one bad trade affects your franchise for years. Yeah. Like, here's the real question is like, do you think this Colorado team can be kept together to do, to do what Breezeball has done in Tampa Bay? Truthfully, no, I think Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and all these guys are going to make so much money. There's no way you're going to be able to keep them all. Yeah, especially because like Nathan McKinnon's sweetheart deal is up next year. What's he getting making now? Eight? Six point three. Oh yeah, six three. What does he get made? Nine. $10 million easy. Oh, he's getting an $11 million contract. 
What about, Kale, what about Kale McCarr? That's going to be an eight-year contract. Yep. Because, and like, look at your UFLs. Like, and I don't think Burakovsky comes back. Cogliano retires. Darren Helm retires. Nazem Kadri's getting fucking paid. Nachushkin. I, I, I bet a team gambles on him at this point. Yep. And then Nico Sturm. I have, I, I have no idea what you actually do with Nico Sturm. Maybe you bring him back. Yeah, I don't know. But even looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tim, the fact is, like I said, the fact they went to three straight finals in a hard cap NHL, this is so much different than what the NBA is doing with their soft cap. And I totally disagree with anybody who says the NHL should do a soft cap because you're going to go back to the 80s where you have two to three elite teams and everybody else. Yeah. And like, yeah, your small market teams are just screwed. Yeah, and baseball is perfect. Baseball, you look at the teams, you look at the Brewers, you look at the Reds, you look at these teams that can't compete. They have to build through the draft, and they just can't afford them. It would be like, look at the Ottawa Senators right now. Look at all of our talent we have on this team. Yeah. We would never be able to afford any of these guys. Well, it's so it's funny because like before the hard cap, I wonder if the Ottawa Senators would have been able well, the Ottawa Senators probably wouldn't be able to maintain the spending they had. Nope. Despite that, having that elite, elite team. Yeah, but that's where great scouting and great development comes in handy. It's just like what the Montreal Expos went through in baseball. They didn't have the money to keep them. They didn't have the money to sign big names. They scouted draft and developed everybody. And the Lightning are no different. You look at everybody on this team, with the exception of Nick, maybe Nick Paul, well, Nick Paul's an obvious one, but you know, you look at some of those big names on this team, they were all scouted, drafted, developed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. But and again, the Lightning, the team that won 62 games and got swept, and everybody was talking about this is the biggest choke we've ever seen. Can this team overcome this? And they did. That was the moment. That's the moment they had to rise above it. And they did it. Yep. And it's like, it's insane to think of like, they've been drafting like late every round for almost like almost a decade at this point. Yeah. If they have those picks at all. Yeah. If they have the picks at all and they've been able to just consistently find quality players. So Tim, I think we should move away from talking about these teams and talk about the actual games. Game one. This is a four to three avalanche overtime winner. <coughs> Excuse me. Lightning goals are scored by Nick Paul, Andre Palat, and Mikhail Sergachev. Avalanche goals are scored by Gabriel Landeskog, Valerie Nashuskin, Arturi Lekanen, and Andre Burakowski in overtime. Shot for 38 23 for the avalanche. Gabriel Landeskog opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Avalanche on Miko Ratanen's shot sneaks through Vasilevsky. Valerie Nishushkin scores to make it 2-0 on a shot that Zach Bogosian deflects in. Nick Paul scores to get tap on the board to make it 2-1 Avalanche. Arturi Lekkinen deflects the Ratanen shot on the power play to make it 3-1. Andre Palat taps in the Kucherov pass to make it 3-2 Avalanche. Mikhail Sergeyev scores from the point to tie the game at 3. And Andre Burkowski scores in overtime to make it 4-3 Avalanche, which would be the final so i unfortunately had to condense this game and it's a shame because from what i was seeing 
this game was hype. Easily had to be one of the best games of the playoffs. That set the bar right there. Oh, yeah. So, like, what's insane about this game is, like, the teams just, like, it wasn't really, like, there was, like, periods where it was, like, a seesaw back and forth, but then there was just long stretches of each team just absolutely dummying the other team, including the back-to-back goals by Sergeyev and Palat. Like, that was nuts. It was. Because, like, it was basically just end-to-end action. Palat just, like, does this sick give-and-go play with Cooch, and Kemper just doesn't have a chance, and then Sergeyev just wires one from the point immediately after. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah. One of the things I really noticed about this game, Tim, is that, you know, I wonder how many goals... Miko Rat Miko Rat would have had two goals in this game easy if his players had not deflected it in. Oh, easy, easy, easy. But also Vasileski had a game. He really did. And this is this was definitely a theme that we've talked about in the last three rounds is that the Tampa Bay Lightning did not get to this point because of the play of their players. They've gotten here because Andre Vasileski has dragged them kicking and screaming. These games here, this is where you really saw the Lightning had nothing left. Yeah, because you could, like Vasilevsky, like sure, he had a sub 900 save percentage. But man, those were not easy shots, especially the Colorado Avalanche power play. Yeah, and the power play was fantastic throughout the finals. Like they just ate Tampa alive. Yeah, it was Honestly, bizarre to watch. It really was. It really was, Tim. Now, the one comment I do want to make, and I want to get this right out of the way, is that can you think of another team in the NHL whose home and away jerseys are as fantastic as Colorado? Really think about this. Now, obviously, I know people would say, well, what about Ottawa? I'm not crazy about the away jerseys. I think it needs a little bit of black, my take. Gray home jerseys, not great away jerseys. But yeah, I can't think of another team that has elite home and away jerseys. I really do like the Bolts jerseys. They're simple but effective. Do you think that the jersey would have been much better if it had a little bit of silver? Because it's too Maybe. similar to Toronto. That's the only problem I have. Yeah. Although I think a hot take, and I know a lot of people will disagree with this, I really like Anaheim's. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I like both jerseys. I really do. Um, I'm trying to think of another team that just has really good jerseys. Actually, the Coyotes, the return of the classic Coyotes jerseys, those are very smart-looking jerseys. Yeah, and you made a great point about those is that they perfectly suited the new look of those jerseys. And that's one of the criticisms I had of like these these classic jerseys that get brought back is that you made the point. You said, well, they're not fitted for those jerseys. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, going back to kind of sense Twitter for a moment. There was an image circulating today of an eBay listing of a prototype, what is allegedly a prototype Reebok Edge jersey that is based off of the 2003 to 2007 home jersey with the black swoosh and a smaller 
Centurion, and it looks odd. Yeah, I, I think I have seen that, and I know that some of the prototypes have ended up on eBay, and but they go for crazy money. It's not even funny. Oh yeah, it was like six hundred. I wanted to say they were trying to sell it for six fifty. You know what, Tim? I'm still mad that I completely messed out on that Marion Host as a black Senegal jersey from like two years ago. I should have fucking bought that. Honestly, very fair. But I'm just glad that I got my SNES jersey. Yeah. By the way, did you happen to see our good friend Mike Gould was in Ottawa recently? And yes, yes. Over O. Man, those O jerseys are great too. The only one I don't have is the cream colored one from Vancouver. I have the black and I have the red, but I don't have the cream colored. Actually, you know, the jerseys are really good. Detroit just has good looking jerseys. Okay, if we're going to be honest, all of the original six jerseys. Well, they're just simple. They're simple and they haven't changed in years. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not ta- like, I'm talking like not original six jerseys though. Oh, okay. Because all the original six jerseys are fantastic. Let's be honest. Even the Toronto ones. How about the Sabres? Yeah, that's, that's a good choice. It's a good choice. I like that one. Although I really hope that they're going to be bringing back the black goat head jersey for next year. Oh, that'd be sick. But anyway, uh, going back to the game, that overtime, you really saw Tampa was gassed because just they were not on the ice for very long. But Colorado was just moving at will. They really were, man. They really were. Let's, talk, let's move our attention to game two. This was a seven to nothing Avalanche shutout victory. Avalanche scores are scored by Valerie Dushuskin with two, Kale McCarr with two, Josh Manson, Andre Burkowski, and Darren Helm. Shots were 30 to 16 for Colorado. Now, you know firsthand when talking about blowout wins like this, I don't usually have a rundown. I just have the classic Simpsons meme. Holy shit. Ready? <laughs> He's already dead. Complete and utter domination from Colorado. Tampa Bay did not even remotely show up in this game. And for once, Vasilevsky didn't either. This is... Another theme that we really haven't touched on, we're talking about Vasilevsky, because he's kicked this team, he's brought this team kicking and screaming, but when he looks bad, you look at those goals and you're like, um... What? What? Well, there was stuff going through his arms, there was like him just not being, just not moving at all to shots he could see. Like, it was just... An uncharacteristically bad game for Vasilevsky. And that's a big problem with like these really big goalies who are like six, 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 seven in the net is that because they take up so much in the net, they often play smaller than what they are. You know, you've seen a Ben Bishop was like that. Robin Leonard was like that in Ottawa. And Vasilevsky, you lock at him in those games and you're like, this guy's playing smaller than what he is. And th- that was the thing about Vasilevsky though, is like, he is normally not like that. No. Did we touch on the fact that Ottawa could have drafted him, but he got sunburned and the sense <laughs> passed on him? Yeah. Well, it's because uh, he missed their meeting. Yeah, he got sunburned. He called the team to reschedule and then never called them back. So they flew in Sergey Gonchar and everything for it. 
honestly, okay, okay, hypothetical. Would the Senators have taken Vasilevsky? Think of it at the time. Because this was Craig the, Anderson was yeah. in the system, Ben Bishop was in the system, and Robin Leonard was in the system. Did they have a need for him? I don't think they would have because they were still high on Leonard. Man, early 2010 Seds crease was just a weird place. I know. And yet we never developed a superstar out of any of them. I'm sorry, Craig Anderson is still going? Yeah, no, Craig is Craig. is Craig. Craig was perfect for that team, though. He wasn't a world beater. He wasn't super flashy. He was consistent, and he won. Although he did that weird on-again, off-again thing. Oh, I hated that. God, I hated him for that. I, I can't think of any other goalie who's done that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, even through sense history, like, Patty Laleen was great, but he left in some Saudis or softies. Yeah, I can't think of another guy. We've had some pretty consistent goalies, though, in Ottawa. Tugnut, Laleem, Razor when he wasn't nuts, Craig Craig Anderson. Yeah, no, it's just well, like, yeah, for that period when he was out in Ottawa, for the first five years, he didn't have a save percentage below 0.911. Like he was fantastic. He really was. And you know who was also fantastic, Tim, was Valerie Nashutskin in this game. Two goals on five shots. And like I said, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who just continued to come up huge for Colorado in these playoffs. Yeah, like if there was any player who had a glow up in the Stanley Cup, in the Stanley Cup, it was Valtteri Nashutskin, a guy who everyone thought was just done. And then all of a sudden he's become this incredibly high quality well-respected player because he's just gone and just like you know what i'm gonna take those really good fundamentals that i had and i always had but i'm gonna be on a team that can score yeah how much do you think it was just the team that he was on in dallas where it was not very high offensive i think it was entirely the team because like you pair him up with a lekening cadre and Holy shit, those guys are dynamite. But uh, the guy, like, he was always a very, very strong play driver, even when he was in uh, Dallas. But then he just flipped him over to Colorado and his finishing returns to normal. And you just have a very powerful player on your hands. Well, look at Nazem Kadri. I mean, you talk about a guy who went from being a head case in the playoffs to being absolute clutch. Well, I think he finally like getting traded probably shocked him. And like, it's funny because that almost looks like it was a mistake by Toronto to trade him. Yeah. But I do love his comments after game six. He says, anybody who thought I was a head case can, can I'll kiss my ass. <laughs> Let's go. You know what? He fucking deserves those to make those comments. He earned making those comments. You know, he really did. Now, another guy I want to talk about here, Kale McCarr, two goals on four shots and what can you say? I mean, it's so rare to see a defenseman have a playoff like he is. Because honestly, when was the last time you saw a defenseman do this? Was it Eric in 2017? Probably. Huh. Yeah. Because, like, 
Eric Carlson's performance as a defenseman up until this point just hadn't been matched. Yeah. I mean, we've seen some great defensemen playing great in the finals. Like we saw Duncan Keith in 2015. We saw Nick Listrom in 2002, Brian Leach in 94. But again, you just don't see a guy like Kale McCarr who takes the puck and goes from end to end like nothing. Yeah. And is in the scoring race with the forwards. Yep. While still being very, very good in his own end. And here's the thing. Kale McCarr is 23. He's going to get better. Yep. Rest in peace, rest of the NHL. Pretty much. So we should I turn our attention to game three of the final, Tim? Another blowout? Let's go. Game three. This is a 6-2 lightning victory. Avalanche goes scored by Gabriel Langeskog with two. Lightning goes scored by Anthony Shirelli, Andre Palat, Nick Paul, Steven Stamkos, Pat Maroon, and Corey Perry. Shots for 39-33 for the Avalanche. Now, you know, Tim, how in last game I made the stop, stop, he's already dead. I'm not going to play that a second time. Okay. I'm going to introduce something new, Tim, and I think it's perfect because given that one of the teams is from Colorado, here it is. I wonder how that's going to come out in post because I haven't really heard it, but yeah, Tampa, we'll see, Bay, we'll Tampa Bay played pretty decent this game. The only thing for me is that Colorado's defensive goaltending. Well, that was the that was the moment where I was like, you know what? That Tampa could- has a chance in this series just because like if you get any pressure whatsoever, like if Colorado's defense isn't perfect and you get any pressure whatsoever on Darcy Kemper, there's just a chance he folds. Yeah, and that's why that clip is perfect, Tim. Because that game was Colorado looked just completely out of sorts. Yeah. And Kemper was bad. This is one of these games that's kind of infuriating if you watch Tampa Bay because the lightning one minute go from completely gassed to having all kinds of piss and vinegar. And it's kind of like, where was this team the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, no kidding. Well, it also didn't help that. Well, that was the game where they finally said, you know what? Braden Point can't play. And that that's such a big injury for Tampa, eh? It really is. But you know what? A couple of guys that really came through in this game, obviously Anthony Shirelli. I love the goal where he tries to go forehand to backhand, but the puck slides five-hole before he can even get the backhand off. <laughs> now, the only other comment I have on this game, Tim, Nick Paul. He does it all. Yeah. Nick Paul was one of their best players throughout the series, which is a very weird statement. Now, did you get a chance to hear that comment that the color guy on the CBC feed mentioned about the goal? No, uh, I was exclusively watching the ESPN feed, which was far superior. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like the color guy was saying how that's a men's league goal. (laughs) Although I do love the fact that we got Chris Cuthbert on the, the play by play call. That's fair. But uh, man, Ray Ferraro is color. So good. I, you know what? I really miss him doing Sens games. Me too. 
Not but to, now you get him as the national broadcaster. Yeah. Not taking away from Noodles or Mike Johnson. Bray Ferraro and Chris Cuthbert were pretty great. They were. But like the, the team they assembled for yes for the ESPN broadcast was fantastic. Because uh, Sean McDonough, he just focused on the co- on uh, delivering the call. So the color, Ray Ferraro can just be pure color. And it works so goddamn good. Yeah. And from what I was reading there today, I guess that ESPN... Oh, and Emily Kaplan is a really good interviewer as well. See, I haven't watched a ton of the uh, ESPN feeds. So I haven't... I don't have too many comments. I know that they're planning on bringing everybody back for next year but some yeah. of them, no it's uh not espn tnt that's what i'm thinking of the tnt people because it's like who is it rick talkett bizonette gretzky all that shit i but, i watched their first production and i wasn't that happy with the tnt guys but i really like what espn's put together yeah but I, you totally see that they're trying to go for the whole what the NBA on TNT has. Yo, but speaking about the NBA on TNT, guess who showed up in this game? Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was on the ABC stream. Who doesn't love Barkley, man? <laughs> and he's just, and they're like, wait, you're telling me you phoned up Gary Bettman? Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> I love Charles, man. Sir Charles is great, but I know, not talking about uh, this game, but I know that there was a clip on the NBA feed during the finals where I think uh, Kenny Smith was trying to explain something about like a hand gesture and Shaq, I guess, smacks the ball out of his hand. So Charles Barkley punched him and ran away. (laughs) (laughs) And Shaq chased him off camera. Uh, They're so good. Like just a really, really good commentary team they have. It's true. It really is true. And three of them are former players. But you got to give it to him. Barkley and Shaq. Thumbs up. But yeah, I mean, I don't, the thing, the problem with these games, Tim, is I didn't get a chance to really sit down and watch them just because, again, life got busy and we're doing shit around the house. So I never got a chance yeah. to watch these games in the entirety. So my notes are going to be kind of limited, but Yeah. I said all I need to say about game three, Tim, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to game four? Game four. This is a three to two avalanche overtime victory. Lightning goes recorded by Anthony Shirelli and Victor Hedman. Avalanche goes recorded by Nathan, Nathan McKinnon, Andrew Cogliano, and Nazem Kadri in overtime. Shots with 39 37 for Tampa Bay. Anthony Shirelli opens the scoring to make it one nothing lightning 36 seconds in. Nathan McKinnon scores in a deflection to tie the game at one. Victor Hedman goes backhand to make it 2-1 Lightning. Andrew Cogliano scores to tie the game at two. And Nazem Kadri scores in overtime to give Colorado a 3-1 series lead. This was a really good game. Like, just a strong back-and-forth effort by both teams. And what's rough is Kucherov almost put this one away in the third. Mm Mm-hmm. He really did. Now, before we get into talking about any of these goals, Tim, let's talk about the Nazem Kadri overtime goal, because I know that the Lightning tried to argue it, but the review clearly shows the puck was behind the bar. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think the this is the one where he was 
Cooper was trying to argue that there was too many men. Yeah, but wasn't like six lightning players on the ice at that time? Yeah, like it was a really dumb argument. Yeah, but I I don't know how I feel about his post-game comments about, yeah, we're only going to answer the one question and that's it. Because he tried to blame the first two games on the altitude in Colorado. I mean, like, I get it. He's trying to take the heat off his players. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that he didn't get some sort of fine after game five. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I'm not going to lie to you. But there is a couple of things I want to mention here. Now, the Anthony Shirelli goal, 36 seconds in. Katrina and I were watching this game, and the one comment her and I both made was that I thought that there was a rule. If a goalie lost its mask, the goal doesn't count. Now, this is a rule that I've never really been too sure whether there was a ruling like that. I know what the players there is, but goalies, I wasn't too sure. And apparently, the rule says it counts. Well, it's like the way that it was described by current and former officials is that if there's a scoring chance in motion when the mask comes off, they will let the play continue. However, once that scoring chance is over, the play is dead. Hmm. Because it's to prevent a goalie just throwing his mask off to prevent a goal. Right. Okay. So it's like, I get why the rule is the way it is, but like the hard thing is, is once you introduce discretion into rules, it gets very difficult to say, well, this one's valid. Well, that one's not valid. Yeah. It, at that point it becomes gray. It doesn't become black and white. The yeah. Rule, the ruling should be black and white. To the best of your ability. Yeah. Especially around goals. True. And we can even go back to the conference finals. <coughs> Excuse me. With Calgary and Colorado, no, sorry, uh, Calgary and Edmonton, where the puck got kicked in. That was such a weird call. Holy shit. Excuse me. And honestly, it's kind of beautiful that former Senator Cody Cece was in the middle of all of it. Yeah. Absolute sicko moment. Oh, totally, totally. Another sicko moment was Nathan McKinnon's goal because honestly, off the skate, off Vasilevsky skating in, those are the moments you're just like, ooh. That was, I, I felt gutted for Tampa then, but at the same time, Tampa came back and at least played probably some of their best hockey of the series to close out the period. But man, were they gassed. Yeah, it was not even close. <clears throat> but the thing is, even on like the Kadri goal, the Lightning players didn't think it was in. Even though when you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's in. That's clearly in. I don't know what they're trying to argue here. The one thing that really didn't help Tampa in this game, they lost Eric Chernak early. So they were playing that game with five defensemen. And Sergachev and Hedman played 30 minute, over 30 minutes each. Tom Shabbat's looking at him like, amateur numbers. Yeah, fucking rookies. Ah, uh, Jesus. 
Let's move our attention to game five, Tim. This is a three to two lightning victory. Lightning goals are scored by Jan Ruta, Nikita Kucherov, and Andre Palat. Avalanche goals are scored by Valerie Nishushkin and Kayla McCarr. Shots for 37-29 for Colorado. Jan Ruta opens the scoring to make it one nothing lightning on a slap shot. Valerie Nishushkin gets Colorado on the board to tie it at one. Nikita Kucherov scores from the point to make it 2-1 lightning. That's actually a pretty nice goal. Kayla McCarr ties the game at two, and Andre Palat scores five hole to make it 3-2 lightning, which would be the final. I'm going to say right now, Colorado should have won this game. Yeah. Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic. And Darcy Kemper wasn't great. No. Yeah, I didn't actually get a chance to watch this one. Uh, but just kind of looking over the score sheet, it looks like Tampa just really poured it on in the second at the end of the third, and that was enough. Yeah, and, you know, even looking at some of the guys here, I mean, Kale McCart should have easily had two goals in this game. Kadri probably could have had one or two on his own. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Had an assist in six shots. Looked really good, but couldn't score. Yeah. I know people are trying to say it was nerves, but it's just Andre Vasco. Like, and a lot of the saves were fantastic shots, too. Holy shit. Yeah. One comment I do want to make on Nathan McKinnon, though, Tim. And, you know, for a guy who is, like, the big-name guy in Colorado and all this stuff, you watch him and you're like, if it wasn't for the fact guys like Kale McCarr and Nishuskin and all these guys are there, how many people would look at Nathan McKinnon to be like, okay, how come you're not being like the guy here? He seems to be, it almost appears like he's taking a backseat role to all these guys in this playoffs. I don't want to say backseat role because that implies that he's not playing to no. his full potential. He's very much a, I, don't, I, I want to say he's a glue guy. Yeah, kind of like a secondary kind of glue. Not secondary. Like when you watch him, play- everything goes through him. Like if you're watching the way that Colorado ma- manages the ice, so much shit is constantly going through McKinnon, and then McKinnon will outlet it to Makar, or he'll outlet it to Burakovsky or Nichushkin or Rantanen. So that, like, no wonder the guy has a shitload of assists, and then also will just pull the, like nine shots out of the ether. Because, like, everything's running through McKinnon back out. Yeah, but you look at other playoff runs Colorado's had with them, and you would look at them and be like, okay, how come you're not being the guy scoring all the goals right now? Because he doesn't have to be. And that's, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I'm commenting is that if this was any other year, Nathan, those comments would be made about Nathan McKinnon. Like, he should be the guy leading the offense. But it's the guys like Kale McCarr and Nishuskin and all these other guys on this team and that's really good yeah, yeah. No but i think no, no criticism actually, i likes it so yeah okay yeah because i think that's that almost seems like a more natural role for mckinnon is to just be kind of the guy like he's a incredibly strong playmaker that he i want to but then also his ability to just turn anything to a rush is incredible yeah and when he takes off like holy shit yeah, like people say, like uh, McDavid's fast. McKinnon's right up there too, eh? Yep. Yeah, there's no two ways about that, Tim. And you know, Tim, it's hard to believe we have reached this moment to officially close out the 2021-2022 NHL playoffs. 
Game six, this was a two-to-one Avalanche Stanley Cup winning victory. Avalanche goals were scored by Nathan McKinnon and Arturi Lekkinen with the series winner. And the lightning goal was scored by Steven Stamkos. Shots were 30-23 for Colorado. Steven Stamkos opens the score to make a one-nothing lightning sliding at five hole. Nathan McKinnon gets Colorado on the board and tie the game at one. And Arturi Lekkinen scores to make a 2-1 Avalanche, which would be the series. Now, talking about Nathan McKinnon, one goal, one assist for two points on seven shots. That Alex Ovechkin-esque slap shot goal. Right from the office. So good. But it's like, what? so uh, I had a buddy over to watch the game last night, right? Right. Cooks and Bergies on the grill. Ate that, had some wings, watched the game. And just like watching Stamkos just open the scoring, you're like, okay, this is going to, this is going to be a damn good game because like Tampa is out to fight, mm-hmm. but it almost seems like that Lekin and goal just killed them because it was such a fucking weird goal. It was a fluky goal that just kind of <coughs> went through Vasilevsky mm-hmm. and Vasilevsky was great for the rest of the night. It was, but that was pretty much it. No. And you saw the rest of the lightning players collapse. Like, I don't know what Kucherov was doing in that final 20 seconds of the game. It looks like he was freaking out at the bench. But it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, it's finally the stress is getting to everybody. Yeah. This team's tired. This team knows that they're losing. But Arturi Lekkinen, I mean, that one goal, got to think of this, sends Montreal to the finals last year, sent Colorado to the finals this year, and won the cup for them. Yeah. Such a weird goal, though. It was. But, like, he takes it, right? And honestly, just that last 30 minutes of the game was just really hard to watch. Especially after the Ryan McDonough hit. Mm-hmm. Like, I was surprised that wasn't five in a game. Yep. Because that was stick to numbers, teeth to board. Oh, and I hate that too. Yeah, there was somebody on Twitter that made a comment about this game. I actually know who it was. It was our good friend, Jake Rivard, who was on our season preview show. Yep. And he was talking about the E60 documentary, Unrivaled, about the Avalanche-Red Wings rivalry. And he says, the big reason the Avalanche won this game is because they couldn't live in a world where the where the Red Wings led them three to two in Stanley Cups. I just started laughing. I mean, that's funny. I still haven't seen it though. I really, really want to watch that because that seems amazing. But I'll save that for another episode. Now let's talk about the post game. Is that the quickest a team has dented the Stanley Cup? You mean they drop it on the ice? <laughs> they drop it right before they take the photo. I didn't realize Obey Kubel had dented it right there. Or like, I would have been to my buddy like, whoa, they just dented the fucking cup. <laughs> like, holy shit. Oh, that was funny. Like, they had the cup for 10 minutes. It was dead ass 10 minutes, right? Easy. I mean, that post game, I mean, you think of it. You had the Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson moment laying on the ice. The Kadri comments, Kubel denting the cup. Just fucking how? 
Uh, I don't know. But so a couple of notes I want to make here, Tim. Now, the Consumites trophy, obviously, Kale McCarr. Yeah. That was a no-brainer. The only other person you could have given it to is freaking Connor McDavid. Yeah. And I don't... And unfortunately, the NHL refuses to give the... Sorry, the NHL writers refuse to give the Conn Smythe to someone who didn't win the cup. Or at least make the cup final. Except that one guy that gave Carlson that one vote. Yeah. I wonder who that was. I wonder. Who who do you think it was? It's definitely not Gary Ock. Not Gary Ock. Do you think Mendez had a vote that year? I would like to hope so. Yeah. But yeah, like I would have honestly voted for McDavid. Yeah, because he led in points. Up until that last game. Yep. Like he led in points. Him and Dreisaitl just dragged Edmonton through two series. Yeah, he dragged our uh, fantasy teams too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine didn't end well. Right up until like the last week and a half when my team shit the fucking bed. But that's not the point. Now, another guy we need to talk about, Tim. And you know, when we were growing up, Marion Hosa was the Stanley Cup meme. Yep. Goes to a team, loses the cup, goes to the other team, loses the cup. Corey Perry is now that. He's, he's one-upped Marion Hosa. Three straight years. And it's funny because you have you're talking about a guy who won a Stanley Cup, won an Art Ross. I think he won a, I don't think he won the heart. No, he didn't win the heart trophy. That was uh, Daniel Sedin, I think he won that year that Corey Perry won the scoring title. But how much you want to bet that Corey Perry is going to go to Colorado? <laughs> Can you imagine Corey Perry goes four straight? My buddy and I were talking about that. It's like, yo, who go? Who does Corey Perry side with and take to the <laughs> to the finals next? <laughs> right, and I think it completely overlooks the fact. that pat maroon could have won more straight cups with time he would have been the first would he have been the first player to do that since since the islanders the islanders yes that's insanity right i forgot that Corey perry had a richard in 2011 Like, what the heck? 50 <laughs> goals. Yeah. Apologies to listeners if they've been hearing me sniffling and sneezing this whole episode, but... No, no, we're good. That's right. Damn it, I am a professional and I will fight through it. But yeah, do you think Corey Perry plays another season? Interesting. Because think because Ryan Getzlaff retired. Yep. Does Corey Perry want to continue? Well, it's going to be up to Corey Perry whether he wants to stick around for another year well it's like i imagine as there he's playing well enough that a team will just give him money if he wants to yep take a league minimum come back for one year lose four straight yeah but like at this point Corey perry is a first ballot all-star right do you think he's a first ballot hall of famer though sorry a first ballot hall of famer is what i meant i think so Cup winner, Richard winner, Hart winner, gold, medal gold winner. medalist. Oh, he's won two. 
was two on, gold medals. Yeah. Four, he was on the 14 team too. Yeah. Two gold medals and world junior. He, world junior. And now he has a very funny story too. Yeah. Okay. No, no. He's like, yeah, no, you have to bring in Corey Perry first year because it's way too funny. Right. Although, could you imagine if he got snubbed the first year he comes back, he goes, I guess I'm just continuing my legacy of always losing in the final. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even have a legacy of always losing because he won his first stamp. Sorry, he won the first finals he went to. Yeah. So there you go. Now, a couple more notes I want to make here, Tim. And we made, I don't, I'm sure we probably made a comment right off the top. Gary Bettman. This was the first Stanley Cup final since 1993 he was not at. Because John Ziegler was still the commissioner at the time. Yeah. I think he's a commissioner and NHL president. 94 was Gary's first year. Now, it's because Gary Bettman had COVID. So, oh, Bill Daly, so Bill Daly was doing the cup presentation. And I said to our buddy, Adam, that Bill Daly sounds like he's going through puberty. He sounds, he sounded nervous too. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised they didn't send uh, Colin Campbell. Yeah. Because he's usually the guy that they send when it's not Batman, but yeah, no, I'm sad. Oh no, it would be Bill Daly. Oh yeah. Bill, yeah. Bill Daly's like second in command to Gary. That's true. Yeah. Although in fairness, he would be see if he was doing like a production of Batman, he could he could be Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I just sorry, it's just they dented the cup on the ice. Yeah, this is what happens when Hulkamania went wild in that arena. Yeah. This fucking Hulk Hogan was there. <laughs> you know what though? I think a perfect wrestling reference I can make here. It's like WrestleMania six where Hulk Hogan lost to the Ultimate Warrior. Did 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 the Ultimate Warrior drop the belt? No, Hogan did though. Oh, okay. Hogan dropped the belt to Warrior. Although Hogan like handed him the belt too, though. Okay, but it's just very funny that it's just like, hey, what are you doing with your? Do you think we're gonna get a bender at the same level? as say the Washington Capitals. Not I don't think so. Not a chance. The worst that you could see is Nathan McKinnon probably has some chicken Alfredo. Yeah, I get is is that team that boring? Mm, no, but Nathan McKinnon is. Remember because there was that whole thing with his diet where he, he doesn't eat carbs or sugar or processed foods or whatever and that's what made him cranky. Right. And I can, and I understand that, you know, if I went without eating carbs, I would probably feel the same way. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. The last comment I want to make here, Tim, something historic happened last night. And I'm not just talking because Corey Perry lost three straight finals and the Colorado Avalanche have now been handed the torch. Did you know Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Colorado Avalanche, became the first owner in North American sports to win championships in two different sports in the same year. Neat. It's Stan Kroenke, who's also the owner of the Los Angeles Rams, won the Super Bowl in February. Fuck that guy still. 
but still like two trophies in a year. That's pretty damn good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, I guess that wraps up the 2022 NHL playoffs, Tim. And what a ride it was. Do you have a favorite moment? Nick Paul game seven. That's a really good one. I was going to say Jake Oettinger's 67 save performance. Oh, that's a good one too. Do I have, you know, no, Nick Paul game seven was pretty good. Actually, you know what? That doesn't count as a moment because it was actually like several hours. It's true. (laughs) It's true, but it was so good though. So good. Yeah. No, actually Jake Ottinger is pretty, pretty good. I think if he had won that game, I do you think it'd be a legend. It would be over the top. But yeah, I don't know. There's a few moments. Yeah, definitely Nick Paul, Jake Ottinger, finding out that Connor McDavid is now the NHL captain that has the spreadsheets. <laughs> that doesn't. That would not surprise me. Connor McDavid seems like the kind of guy that would keep a spreadsheet. Do, do we find his Excel? Oh, I don't know. Although apparently his girlfriend took the dog, though. Oh, did she actually break? Did they actually break up? I don't know what's going on, but she had a her Instagram story on a private jet with the dog and not him. So people are thinking, oh, yo, she's going to get paid. Well, I guess, were they married? I don't think so. Okay, she's not getting paid shit. No. I mean, the worst that you're going to happen is Connor McDavid sleeps in this heated driveway. Oh, no. Also, it's his house. Yeah. That she de- that she designed. Oh, come on. He can just cover it with, like, sports posters and shit. I don't know. He's not really a bro. I don't think he would do that. I mean, we didn't think he would cheat on his girlfriend, but here we are. Yeah, that's true. Do you think Nathan McKinnon would probably do that with all Sidney Crosby posters? Maybe. That'd be funny. Yeah. I don't know. There's not really any bros in on either of these teams that I would see like could do that. Or who are like outwardly like the bro type. Yeah. I could see like just covering their hall their house with like hilarious like posters and shit yeah and like sports jerseys make like a kind of like a not a dorm like like a dude like a dude house a dude house i could see brady kachuk doing that yeah but i'm talking between tampa and colorado oh yeah Corey perry no no nikita kucherov because remember when we had uh, Matthew Estevez? <laughs> yeah, that's he true. He was kind of saying that Kucherov's kind of a quiet guy. This is bullshit. Y- you... bullshit. Th- it, this isn't champagne. This is a Bud Light. <laughs> yes. <laughs> bullshit. I drank at the Tampa Bay Vancouver game. Nice. Not as, it's not great, but it's not as bad as you would think. It's pretty light. To be fair, weren't we knocking back Bud Lights at the sat? Sorry, in the grandstand? No, those Budweiser's. Oh God, was that was that better or worse? Yeah, worse. Worse. Okay, it was worse. Yeah, because I I don't like the aftertaste that Budweiser has. 
and we were paying eight dollars for the privilege. Oh, and they were lukewarm. <laughs> so, Tim, do you have any comments you want to make on the NHL playoffs before we head off into the close for another season? Um, not really. Like it, I think anything I could have said has been said. Like this has just been a very up tempo, fun but weird, very weird NHL yeah. playoffs. And I think part of that is just it's hot on the heels of two very weird seasons. And I think the interesting thing to see next year is, is the offense going to stay? You know what? Here's my hot take for the 2022-23 season, Tim. The Tampa Bay Lightning barely make the playoffs. Oh, I can see that. I see them completely falling apart in the same way. Cause like with what's going on in Boston with Bruce Cassidy leaving, Pastor next pissed. He's looking like he's leaving. So the Bruins are collapsing. Tampa Bay, they're pretty close. Like they're going to be super tired next year and they might fall apart, not make the playoffs. Maybe Ottawa makes the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe, would, maybe. Here's a, okay, here's the thing. Hypothetical. Tampa Bay and Boston misses the playoffs next year. Ottawa makes it. Who's the other team that makes it, though, in the Atlantic? Probably Detroit. Or it's five Metro teams. Yeah, I could see five Metro teams. Okay, here's a hot take. You ready for this? Is it Buffalo? Buffalo. That is a team on the rise. Yeah, I don't but know. so is Detroit. Yes. Yeah, Detroit. I was going to say Detroit, but Buffalo seems like an interesting choice. I think it's not going to be Montreal. It'll be Buffalo or Detroit. The hard thing with with Tampa is, though, is like they're mostly locked in. And they've got Brent Seabrook's contract on LTIR. Yeah. So it's like they can just run this team back. True. But at what point does these guys just break down? That's true. Well, the question is, is how much healing can they do in the summer? Yeah. And I think that's going to be a big issue, right? Because it's June now. Training camps in late August, early September. So it'll be interesting, Tim. It'll be interesting. Yeah, because uh, the... They, the only players they have that are UFA are uh, Riley Nash, Andre Pilat, Nick Paul, and Jan Ruda. Yeah. They need to sign one more forward. So it's like, I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the 2022 NHL playoffs on the third line plug, Sanscast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at Third Line Plug at our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, G R 8 W A T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, sends news, or you want to roast me about my prediction for the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2022, 2023, shoot us an email, Third Plus at Gmail. Com. We're doing a dra- the draft episode's going to be next, right? Or are we going to do draft and free agency again? Uh, probably draft. I think the draft episode will be next. Free agency is going to be different because I think it's in mid July. Okay. And are I'm we? Fly- and I'm flying out on like the 17th. Right. Okay. Cool. We'll figure. Yeah, we'll figure, yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, when are you getting back? Oh wait, we should just tail- we should do this at the cutoff of the episode. Man. 
Now, this is this is how it works, Tim. This is what it's going to be kept in the episode. So it's fine. oh great. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson, and this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sands, guys. Woo. <laughs> <laughs>